0: it's learning to listen with quinn naomi and charlie
1: yes sir yes sir three bags full sir i don't know i'm i'm hanging out with children all the time now uh welcome to learning to listen l2l the podcast today we are going to be talking all about miles davis's bitches brew But if if you're tuning in for the first time and you want to know what this is, this is L2L, where we're talking about music and the way we listen to music, trying to engage with that music that we're listening to. So that's what we're all about, the lost art of engaged listening. Um, We're talking about albums and consuming the album as a whole artistic statement the way artists intended. So this is not a biography show, but instead it is a pure visceral guttural pure reaction to the music that we're listening to uh my name is quinn um your host today and every day and all the time always and i got my co-hosts with me charlie scream on the drops charlie scream
2: if peeing your pants is
0: cool consider me miles davis
2: let's go (laughs)
1: let's go indeed all right, and nice drop from the nineties, which is perfect for Naomi. Naomi, how is it going?
3: I got to piss on you. Chip chip chip.
0: Wow, that's a little Miles Davis that's improv right little, there. That's a fun little ditty you did. You can you want to sing it again?
3: I got to piss on you. Chip chip chip.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we put an E on this thing for Explicitly (laughs) Awesome.
0: Naomi's always the first out of the gate.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we are doing, like I said, the Rolling Stones, uh, 100 Greatest Albums of All Time, according to their top 500 list from 2012. It was amended in 2020. Uh, Today, we're going to be doing number 87, Miles Davis's Bitches, a Brew. But first patreon.com slash learning to listen. Uh, you can really help us out by going there, throwing us a dollar or two. We really appreciate everybody that's done that so far. Um, yeah. So as you know, if you have, you get a lot of bonus content, you get the shows up early. You're going to get access to the uh, episodes that are being archived, uh, you know, one at a time. So lots of stuff going on there. Make sure you check it out. Patreon.com slash Learning to listen. Okay, guys, we got an album to talk about. So, Miles Davis, Bitches Brew. Uh, This is the 27th full-length studio album by American jazz trumpeter, Miles Davis, released on March 30th, 1970 on Columbia Records. It marked his continuing experimentation with electric instruments that he had featured on his previous record, the critically acclaimed In a Silent Way With these instruments, such as the electric piano and guitar, Davis departed from traditional jazz rhythms in favor of loose rock influenced arrangements based on improvisation. So that is uh, the intro to Bitches Brew. Uh, I got to ask you guys, I'm sure we're all familiar in some way with Miles Davis, at least as a celebrity, but how familiar with Miles Davis's music
0: were you overall? A Little bit, not a lot of it. A much more birth of the cool than Bitches Brew. Okay, okay. So you're talking like,
1: like, um, a kind of blue, kind of blue, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like the 59. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, Naomi, what about you?
3: Knew the name and that's it. Okay. My fair was enough.
0: Was it just because
3: of Billy Madsen? No, actually, no, I knew he was a famous musician, like, because like, I went to, one semester of music school and we had to listen to jazz and stuff so i, I heard of him is that why you left after
0: like one semester yeah. and i was out of there too much yeah. jazz
3: honestly that was one of the reasons <laughs> yeah i'm not even kidding you I hate jazz. okay
1: well then so is this everybody's first listen through like for me it like i got full disclosure here you know this is um that i've been aware of mm-hmm. it's come up quite a bit uh, rock musicians reference this album a lot of the time, so it's always something I've heard about. People talk about, never listen to it. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, I don't know why it just never happened. I've definitely listened to other Miles Davis albums, I've listened to Kind of Blue, uh, I've listened to in a silent way, you know. And every once in a while, if I'm just in a jazzy mood, I might throw on, uh, some jazz compilations and stuff miles davis always pops up on those mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. like charlie was saying he's kind of part of that 1959 birth of cool uh you, like charles mingus uh dave brubeck you mm-hmm. know uh like later like the uh, I, I don't was Thelonious monk kind of part
0: of that crew or not i don't know uh if so a lot lesser so
1: well either way um yeah, so I, I always picture Miles Davis as you know that modal jazz, that cool with some swing and some groove. Yeah, kind of jazz, mm-hmm. right? You know, a little more accessible, definitely moody, definitely atmospheric. but but you know, so I don't know about you guys, uh, but I didn't know when getting into this album exactly what I was getting into. I, I had heard electric instruments, I'd heard experimental uh what about you guys like did you have any expectations going into this uh album um of like what you thought you were gonna hear
2: um
0: i i knew i i felt like it was going to be a challenge and i'm glad that parts of it were less challenging than i thought they were going to be if that makes sense
3: yeah
1: it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense yeah, yeah yeah i don't know naomi did you have any expectations for what you were going to hear
3: Well, I looked at the length of the tracks and the total length of the album and thought, holy shit, this is going to (laughs) suck.
1: It's a bit of homework, (laughs) right?
3: Yeah. But, you know, I've made my way through it. Um, I would say I expected that I wouldn't be like falling in love with this album, but that's probably about it. I'm I'm so terrible with jazz music. I got to apologize. But at the same time, I guess it's nice that I have a different... Differing opinion?
0: Absolutely. It would be <laughs> super boring and a super short show if we we're all like, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Naomi. Yeah, I loved yeah. it.
3: <laughs> no. Great,
0: moving on. Oh, that, those episodes are tough too because next episode. Like, yeah. What do you what do you talk
1: about? But okay. So mm. yeah, I, I like I, like I I I knew that I was expecting something experimental, but I think I was thinking more of what I heard on in a silent way. Mm. Where it's still you know, it's that bridge between the earlier like modal jazz of you know like kind of blue right where you know, experimenting a little more with with the electric instruments and things like that like that was just kind of hip in in the era, right? like and uh, and I don't think I was expecting full-on jazz fusion <laughs> right. And I don't know why I wouldn't have been, because it makes so much sense to me now that all the other jazz fusion that came after, like we, we were listening, what was that? The uh, Mish... Um,
0: God, Maha Vishnu Orchestra. Maha
1: Vishnu Orchestra. And yeah. that's, you know, that's full-on 70s jazz fusion. Yeah. And I would say even less accessible than this. Yep. But those guys were clearly, and they were even sharing like uh, members. And the, those guys were clearly using this, something like this, Bitches Brew, as a jumping off point for what they did
0: well this yeah this so this album from what i can from what i understand now is the jumping off point for all of jazz rock
1: <laughs> yes more or less right or just even experimental prog rock mm-hmm. um mm. i would i would say one of the things too that like this album might not get enough credit for is how much they used like the tools in the studio to make this album hmm Right. So a lot of the stuff you're hearing is done in post. Like the whole uh, first track, um, Pharaoh's Dance, right, that ha- has like these kind of starts and stops in the intros, right, is from edits. Oh, is it? Huh. Yeah. It's a lot of editing, right? You hear the drums fade in and out. And that has a lot to do with, um, I, I believe his name is Teo, uh, um, it's uh, Masero or macro i think it's Masero. i don't know i've never heard anybody say it out loud i've only read it mm-hmm. um i have even seen interviews with him and stuff too but uh anyway yeah he 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 got stacks and stacks and stacks of tapes and he just captured these guys working this stuff out in the studio and then after the fact he went and layered in like pieces and parts uh, that you know he felt would would build the song. I mean, he he was a composer. He was a uh, he's a musician himself. Uh, I believe he might have also been a a trumpet player or something like that. Real big fan of Jazz, jazz, jazz Buddy and the
0: Master Mixers.
1: Well, here's the thing. He, he's <laughs> the guy who was the producer on uh, Kind of Blue. And oh, okay, I thought you were gonna say
0: Buddy and the Master Mixers. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, <laughs> no. Nice. This guy. This guy has just as much influence on some of the biggest jazz records of all time as any of the artists to do
3: mm-hmm.
1: and so i think with him behind the helm right you know miles davis and the record label just gave him carte blanche to like do what he wanted in fact i found an interview with him where he was saying that as other people were coming in and out of the, the out of the mixing booth where he was like working on mixing this thing they were complaining about all the tapes and everything that he had stacked up everywhere <laughs> that they were like can you clean this up and put this away this like name he's like but he's like i would just you know i would just listen And I'd be like, oh, I just okay. I want that eight bars. How do I get that eight bars in here? Like that sort of thing. And he would just a whole tape of of like you know whatever session, and he would just take like you know eight bars from here and and four bars from there and whatever.
0: That's insane. uh, No wonder. No wonder the first two tracks are like twenty and twenty six minutes. And build it up. But here's the thing, too. Think about uh, this: how much like how much of like reverb and
1: delay and, 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 you know, uh, just all the kinds of like, this is early and being able to use that stuff post, you mm-hmm. know, that you're not running your musicians through an echo tank. You, you're, you can apply the effects afterwards and
0: post. He was doing right. tons of that. Damn. Well, great. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to it with new ears or eyes. <laughs> well, just listen to the beginning of bitches brew, right? Well, the
1: beginning and the ending it's bookmarked with that the big swell with the trumpet right with that and it just reverbs off into like you know it's you know it's really painting i don't know this big like ascension you know it's climbing with those you know the band kind of coming in behind it Mm -hmm. it's like they didn't create that at the time in the studio like right off the you know floor that was created Afterwards, I mean, yes, the band was jamming and composing this as they went. But so uh, you listening to this and, and looking into it, I'm like, uh, man, I got to look more into this guy because, yeah, one of my favorite jazz records of all time. And I know that it's a pretty obvious one, but I love it. Is you know, is Dave Rubeck's Time Out, right? Hell yes. Yeah, that's the with the, the famous track off that would be Take Five that it, mm-hmm. if anybody's, you know, trying to give themselves a frame of reference. And that's a brilliant record. It sounds so fucking good. Yeah. Like when I, it's, it's my reference now for my turntable when I'm like dialing in my setup because I have a music on vinyl pressing of it, which is already just a, you know, audiophile quality pressing of it. Mm -hmm. When I dial it in, man, you can hear the space between the instruments. The drums just sound so good and dynamic, you know, like it's amazing production for 1959 you know, this is 10 years later and this guy's like turning the game on his head again. (laughs) Like, so as much as this is a cool, this is is a Miles Davis album. I think this is also a a Teo Marceo album.
0: Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. I think, I think, I think anyway. um, Yeah. Like, I don't know when you guys were listening to this, like, Did you find it hard to access? I'm sure you did, right? I know, Naomi, for sure, you found it hard to
3: access. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem I have with jazz is the irregularity of it all. So that I'm the type of person who wants to sit and relax to your 4-4 beat. (laughs) You know, and it's very not comfortable to listen to for me. I don't relax listening to it.
1: Yeah, I think in this era, that was a little bit of the point, right? It's kind of, Uh you know, there's a theme. Do you remember we were listening to the Stooges? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that album's from uh, the very same era. And they're basically doing the same kind of techniques in the studio. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more raw, off the floor, kind of jamming and improvisations. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I'm I'm noticing that in this particular moment in, in history, no matter what genre you were in or what kind of music you were in, there seemed to be this need to capture the process more than capture like this polished end product.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I, I, I was, I was like, I, that's what we're listening to here. You know um, I found this to be one hell of a headphone album. And now I, you know, time consuming for sure. Hard to sit down just to find the time to, if I had known before I was like, yeah, let's do this record. You know, what's the next one on the list that I should have blocked off more time. I would have loved to sit down with this when I just had nothing else going on. You know, the first listen through uh, was put on in the background and it worked for me because it, 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 it reminded me uh, some of the themes and stuff like reminded me of, of some more avant-garde kind of movie scores. Yeah, I get that. And I even heard some stuff that, Oh yeah, this definitely influenced, you know, some, some, some jazz, um, um, kind of infused like funk and you know the mm-hmm. kind of stuff you would hear on like exploitation movies now that stuff's groovy and definitely has clear like you know melodic lines and stuff to it but just techniques and and studio stuff that like you I heard on this I'm like oh people definitely applied this later when like compose, com- composing a movie score or something like that mm-hmm, absolutely. right
3: absolutely there's times where I was listening to certain things that reminded me of different movie scenes or tv scenes or something <laughs> where I was like yeah okay it's, it's, I get, it's, I
0: get that It's so weird I was uh, I was sitting in a cafe having a cappuccino uh, just like out on the patio listening to this on my headphones and like a couple of cars zoomed by me and I was just like no yeah, this is the right place to be listening to this <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah I wish I'd just given myself more time to just really soak it in overall because there's just so many layers to it it's, it's just it's there's so much going on when I finally sat down and put the headphones on and did a proper headphone listen what blew my mind was how panned out everything was Mm -hmm. to where you could kind of in, in space, point out where the different musicians were. Like there's two drummers on this record. Um, well there's three technically, but on every track has two drummers, uh, and, uh, they're panned right or left. And in fact, when you look up the credits, um, I believe that, um, let's see. Yeah. So Lenny white, he's, credited as drum set left Oh yeah and Jack uh, Deje is uh, credited as drum set right and then on the last track Feo um, I believe you've got Billy uh, Cobham is is the left drum set but yeah it's two different drummers in two different years panned hard panned but then you look further and there's three pianos on this well three electric organs or pianos or whatever three keyboards at any given time and they're also panned hard right left and center Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you're in 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 your head you're going like okay i've got drums and keys over here i've got another keyboard player here you've got and then when you listen to where they put uh, miles and of course uh at that point he was still working with uh what was his name um wayne uh wayne shorter wayne shorter um they're kind of they're also panned more center so you've got this like kind of semicircle, you know of musicians around you it man it made it worthwhile to listen to in the headphones because you could kind of dial in one of the other thing that was going on at the time i don't know i don't did you guys manage like you charlie you said you were sitting in a cafe so
0: i'm assuming you were listening to (laughs) that was just that was just made up bullshit um i was listening Uh. to it at home on my uh on my stereo so i had a bluetooth into my stereo so i did not get all those effects unfortunately
3: oh, I I dude, I would recommend... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's when you were saying cafe i was like cafe is charlie hang out?" 100 <laughs> percent bullshit i was just trying to say i was in a noir movie
3: i'd be at the mick cafe
0: the mick cafe yeah <laughs> <laughs> but now like you said after all this explaining like damn it we should have had a little bit of a if this happens again you should mention to us you should be like this is a headphone album for sure or something well maybe
1: i don't know i'm trying to get you know pure responses out of you again. yeah um yeah
0: i don't know yeah look follow-up episode the
1: time is the toughest part and i find that's the truth of all these albums because not knowing going into it that it was going to be over an hour and a half uh, yes yeah, like an hour 45 or something you know i yeah, I, I,
3: I literally gasped out loud when i saw yeah. the link <gasps>
1: Yeah, I tried to give you guys enough of a heads up. Like, I got through, I got through one full listen, and then, uh, you know, I did my best to listen again all the way through, and I listened in a couple of parts. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one song that I made sure that I that I gave a good good listen to is "Bitches Brew." The the title track, mm-hmm. and it's also, I believe, it's the longest song
0: on the album, right? It you are correct. Like twenty six right. minutes. It is as so, long as a sitcom, an episode of a sitcom. Mm-hmm. It's actually, longer if they're only twenty two minutes.
1: Yeah, But yeah so you know I was thinking about it and I was trying to come up with Like themes for this album now Normally we talk about lyrics and there are Technically lyrics to this But uh, they're not really Present (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't know But I did like uh, on the last track I believe Sanctuary um, Yeah there's There's voices Yeah But on the uh, you, You turn up the volume enough and with the headphones you can hear these guys communicating to each other in the studio you hear little miles like you know like (laughs) can't make out anything he's saying but he's obviously talking to people in the room i'm like god damn like that's we're being let in on this this is amazing you know little miles
3: is he is he a small man
1: i feel i don't know miles was not a big guy
3: No, Wikipedia doesn't tend to tell you about the size of folks.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you can look it up somewhere. Like, it's, I suppose you can you can ask Siri how tall um, Tom Cruise is. So, mm. and I believe he's, he's he's like five six. You know, so he's not that short. Um, yeah. I, I, I would put Miles Davis in that. I don't remember him being like a a towering figure. Every picture I've seen of him, he seems like he's averaged mm-hmm. height
3: okay. for the era. Very important to the content. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is pertinent. If I knew this going in, I would have listened to the album completely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so musicians of note
1: that are on this, because and there would be a lot, but there are a lot of you know people in the jazz and jazz fusion world. So, uh, you know, most people, unless you're a real hardcore jazz aficionado, you might not catch them. But Chick Corea, mm-hmm. most people I think would recognize that name. Uh, yes. He's a famous pianist. So I was watching an interview with him, and when he broke down Bitches Brew, uh, it was really interesting because he broke it down to, he's like, Miles Davis came over to the piano and just showed him three triad-like chords, basically an E, a C, and a D. And he's like, that's it. And he's like, you can play that out as a scale. And he's like, you know, and that's all Bitches Brew is really based off of, is three Fairly simple chord changes, but like there's just a texture to it. And then he was saying that he was thinking about how you know it made sense for like the the, the, that's kind of where Miles would be on the trumpet. And he gave all the musicians in in this case just basically like I don't care what you play, I don't care what notes you play, as long as they're within this. Mm -hmm. So there is thought here a context of like you know key. There's time signatures. It's just, there's also just like, you know, it's hard to find where there's like, there's no locked in grooves or there's no, uh, you know, nothing swings, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a different kind of atmosphere. Right. And you're like, it does build attention. Yeah. Which makes, which I understand why it would be kind of hard to, to access you know, like you're not you don't walk away from this hum and the melody to anything. However,
0: that being said, I would say my probably probably my favorite track. Well, no, easily my favorite track would have been Miles Runs the Voodoo Down. OK, that track is groovy as hell. And like there just- is some there is some grooves in there for sure it's just it if that one for me solidifies is like this is a song song you know like this is an actual thing like there's still it's still all has all the jazz stuff but like it just seemed more together as far as uh an easier kind of something that my brain could understand easy enough you know what i mean
1: yeah interesting um well that one is uh credited to davis as the writer um so I guess just the leading leading the band or whatever it's interesting to see that there are are like other credited writers you know and and so Pharaoh's dance is uh is Joe Zawinol who played the left electric piano and of course Wayne uh, Shorter gets Sanctuary uh track number six um you know so like these guys had agency over what they were doing and they got credited so I'm guessing if they came up with the main line of the song right you know they got they got the they got the track which is cool to see um I'm surprised almost though knowing that so much of this was from editing that well see
0: that's that's it for me I think that it feels like miles runs the voodoo down is the, one of the least uh, put together like that where like if now if i go back and listen to like the first two tracks i feel like i i would make it would make more sense in a different way like you're gonna catch the edits where i'm like okay these are edits that's why you know that's part of the disjointed ish sort of you know if he's taking four four bars from here and eight bars from here and and, and putting them together like a jazz mixtape
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting that he used the studio as much a, as an instrument, or you know, his producing, engineering chops to be almost another musician in the session, right? Um, I don't. Anyway, I, I kind of got off topic, but I remember I was kind of bringing up um, like themes, and so what's always interesting to me is to try and think of like what could a theme be to like something that's purely instrumental right like obviously Mm. when you don't have words to tell you or this song is about this (laughs) and maybe you know you can kind of go by titles and stuff like that but like you know like what does bitches brew even mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. right it's obviously a play on witches brew and there's a story about that that apparently maybe betty davis was the one who told miles to uh to to change it to Bitches Brew, he was going to call it Witch's Brew, which Witches Brew kind of makes sense in the context of like, oh, we're like, you know, we're we're in here like putting a bunch of shit in a cauldron and coming up with mm. some crazy potion or something like that, right? We're going to call it Witch's Brew, and she's like, nah, that's a lame name. Call Bitches Brew, <laughs> and then uh, from which I don't know if you guys have seen Tales from the Tour Bus season two. I don't think I, I finished no. that season. Um. Well, here I've let seen me, all season one. Let me play a little clip then. So it's, it's just a short little clip
3: i've never even heard of this show
0: oh that's a good show it's worth your it's worth your time for sure
1: let me just share this with you guys
2: before long they begin a relationship and like their relationship not only changes miles but changes american music because she goes to miles hey man you know you're cool dude i like you but your clothes are whack (laughs) and she takes the italian suits and takes all that great refined stuff and tosses it out and suddenly miles is wearing bell-bottom flares these, these famous glasses that he wore. She helps reinvent his style, and in so doing, begins reinventing how he sounds. Because then Miles does something completely radical under Betty's influence. He buys a wah-wah pedal, which is something that guitar players are playing, and, and Hendrix is using, and a lot of other people. He's gonna turn his trumpet into an electronic instrument. <laughs> This causes an uproar in the world of jazz that still people talk about. He hires electric bass player, guitar players. He's got this kid playing a massive drum kit. He brings in an entire new sound and all of it is wedded to him being around Betty Davis. That band makes this album called Bitches Brew. It's like a big turning point in American music and in world music because when Miles plugs in and embraces the electronic, there's a whole generation of musicians. They all follow Miles' lead. They either on Bitches Brew or they listen to Bitches Brew and they want to follow. And Betty Davis is the one who names the album Bitches Brew. Originally, it's gonna be called Witches Brew. He says, nah, it's it's Bitches Brew, my man. He loved that. I hate to say this, but Miles loved the word bitch. Now, whether that's good or not, (laughs) you know, Miles loved the word Bitch. I heard him say it so many times to women, to all kind of people. Bitch, bring your ass over here. I said, Miles, you can't say that. Fuck you. Shit, I can say what I want, bitch. Through Miles, her influence on, on music is profound. If that was all Betty Davis did, that'd be pretty good. But Betty was not just a muse. She was an artist in her own right. She was a live wire. Miles, he wanted her to be his wife, you know what I mean? he wanted to control her but she's uncontrollable. Okay, right,
1: well that's about that's a long yeah. ass clip. Helps yeah, that's getting long now. It's more about Betty than it is but I just wanted to show you guys the Miles Davis part of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, right? So uh, that he goes he literally goes from like wearing like these custom tailored Italian suits playing modal jazz to like you know, getting a wah-wah pedal and running his, running his trumpet through it. Pretty and cool. not, not long after that, he fucking makes this album, Bitches Brew. And apparently, like, I, you know, I wish I had known before this how much influence this album had. Because now that I've heard it, I realize how many bands from the 70s and, and on were so clearly influenced by everything from not just the, the music itself, but even the production right like oh shit you can do that you know (laughs) um yeah it's it's wild and controversial
0: Uh, for the time too like calling it bitches brew like i saw a thing i was reading a thing where uh uh miles davis basically called and he uh, who did he call like somebody from columbia records or something and was like hey we're calling the album bitches brew that's it. You know, just like boom, that's a point, right? That's a deal. And then so the guy from the record company had to like send as like CBS or something send a memo up to ha- up, you know, up the up the flagpole or whatever to be all like, uh, Miles just called and said that he, he wants this album to be titled uh Bitches Brew. Um, please advise." <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, there's a thing. 27 albums in and you know, like it's interesting to think uh, this record went gold. I, I don't know if it's ever gone further than gold, but like there's only gold. so many so many jazz albums that went gold,
0: right? This isn't pop music. This isn't everybody buying a record. I could tell but that you, but a lot of people did buy this record. It went gold in the UK and it went platinum in the US.
1: So it's gone platinum. So it, you know, it, it's interesting that. Oh yeah, it must have. It's evocative, right? Like the cover is evocative, the name is evocative. Yeah, like when you didn't have the internet, when you didn't have Spotify, when you hear a lot of people making a lot of noise about like you hey, know Miles Davis is doing, you're like nah, the trumpet player. And they're like, you see this record, bitches brew. What the fuck? Uh,
0: okay, I got to hear this thing. Well, to further the point, this is also at a time where I think jazz selling commercially is kind of DOA. Like there's not a lot that's selling that's popping with jazz. And then this comes along and just like,
1: Oh yeah. remember jazz. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of true in almost any era since like the heyday of, you know, of probably right up until big band, maybe into the early fifties. Right. And then you have a little bit of a, of a boom with, Like the, you know, like the birth of cool, the 1959, the Dave Brubeck's and stuff like that. Vince Guaraldi on TV and stuff like that. But, you know, man, kids were buying rock records. Hmm. You know, how many people were buying by the, but yeah, by this point, you almost have to reinvent jazz. Right. Jimi Hendrix isn't out in the world at this point. (laughs) You know, like, like how how are you going to get young people into jazz? Wah trumpet. Yeah, exactly. You know? Let's just fucking electrify everything. You know, I was thinking about this too, Charlie, um, that uh, some of the records that we've been getting into lately, uh, I picked up, you know, a copy of Electric Mud, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is famously Muddy Waters kind of reinventing himself a little bit for the era, but he's also doing classic Muddy Waters songs. Right. And then, you know, I played that for you and then you looked into, uh, you know, a handful of other artists They did something similar. The,
0: psych- the, the Psychedelic Blues playlist with like uh Helen Wolf, Muddy Waters, Bo Diddley.
1: Yeah. Didn't you, isn't
0: there a Chuck Berry record There's in there Chuck too? Berry. Oh, I've got that one. It's great. Yeah. and But all these guys, they're redoing their their hits. Well, not even fully. I mean, some, some of them, yeah. But like the Chuck Berry one is just like, he's just jamming on some stuff. You know, like it's not completely Redos of things, but, you know Redos of themes and ideas In a more psychedelic kind of Well, fair enough The
1: only reason I I bring it up though Is I was like, but this one is just purely Original Oh, for sure This isn't Miles Davis like redoing some like Old, you know, old Miles Davis tunes This is Miles Davis like just Reinventing the whole goddamn thing (laughs) From the ground up, right? Like other than he still plays trumpet Right Like modal (laughs) jazz Out the window, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> All we need is these. We need, we need, we just need to build a scale out of these three chords, and somehow that turns into Bitches Brew. It's <laughs> mind blowing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, I, so I got the i i from the whole package, from the name, from the cover, from just the feeling of the album. I got the idea that. uh this, this is about kind of excess and hedonism and like kind of giving in, right? Like this is going into the seventies, you know, this is a guy who's like, like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go over the top with this shit. It's like, I feel like that's what this album is about, right. About the kind of that, 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 journey of just giving in to, to all of what, you know, life has to offer.
0: That's good. I like it. I like your. I like your, uh,
1: your take well i want to know your guys' opinions what What did you think what themes what what you know what images like when you're listening to this we're, we're you know other than sitting in a cafe in a car <laughs> and drives by. i don't know why
0: you would think that chase. would sound like a car chase oh it's soundtrack music okay okay well yeah it's like putting you in a noir kind of a setting yeah but I feel
1: like we haven't heard from Naomi enough uh, <laughs> yeah naomi
0: yeah
1: what I don't really have a lot this? to
3: say because I just don't I, I i listen to it, but I don't get it like in the same level as you guys get it, probably because you guys actually play instruments as well so I mean well, you that, play a little that,
1: guitar
3: yeah but I'm not good Well, like you I mean, who, you who has Lily? to be good at it uh, yeah, no, um I didn't really. Picture much at all, except like like I had said, kind of you know, just maybe some movie scenes that made sense with this kind of music in the background and whatnot. But honestly, I don't have much to offer on that.
1: <laughs> where did it where where did it lose you? You think the most?
3: Oh, immediately, <laughs> like we're
1: right out of the gate.
3: Yeah, yeah, right out of the gate. I mean, once we got past the first two super long songs and then it was kind of like, okay, finally this is kind of changing up a little bit, but um, I just can't do jazz. I just can't do it. But like,
1: okay, but this is different jazz than, you know, I don't know. Like I've we it's interesting. I think I brought this up the last episode we did uh, with David, about David Bowie. And I was kind of, I don't remember what the reference was, but I remember bringing up the fact that isn't it interesting that, you know the og like the earliest recordings like jazz recordings are by this band called the original uh, dixieland jazz band mm. and and their very first recordings they even uh spelt jazz with two s's instead of two z's hmm. and mm-hmm. i think on further recordings they changed it up because people were mispronouncing it they were like no you pronounce it like jazz, jazz uh, music not jazz <laughs> i love jazz. that jazz music yeah so yeah. anyway but like that's dixieland jazz music that's like new orleans like you know just picture like the saints go marching in you know and it's mostly blues based in fact the earliest recording that i could look up was uh, i think it's called uh livery stable blues you know and it's you know you'd get it you're like oh i get this this is they're using old marching band instruments to make a like uh, the drum kit is made out of like you know a big bass drum and and a snare, and maybe a couple of cymbals, the kind of stuff that a jazz, like a, a, a marching band would have, <laughs> that sort of thing. But it's like <laughs> slide whistles, I guess. I don't know. Slide okay. whistles and drums. That's my jazz band. That's your jazz band? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that is a trap kit, though. That's, but yeah, there's the three that you need right there <laughs> bass drum, snare, and at least some kind of cymbal or hi hat. Anyway, um, It's wild to go like that's jazz, but this is also jazz. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure if somebody's playing like you know when the saints come marching in, you're like, I get this, I know what's going on here.
3: Yeah, right. But it but it but it kind of follows a beat and a routine to that kind of a song. Yeah, or like I I mean, I try to go into (laughs) I try to go into each album with an open mind and like you said, what kind of journey did this take you on? Well, I try, but i get so irritated with it that i just don't go anywhere but i try Mm -hmm. i just yeah i don't know
0: Well, okay here's the thing for me like whatever i thought about the album before now i feel like it'll be changed completely now that i know about things like the editing process so now I feel like what, you know, like I just at earlier early off, I, I listened to it and I don't, I, you know, I wasn't the biggest into the first two tracks, but as the album went on, I felt it got a little bit more accessible. Now I'm not sure if it's like, you know, my brain just kind of got into it after a point or if the songs themselves actually feel a little bit more accessible or if the editing process simplified after the first three songs, because that's when, you know, Song Mm. times start coming down a lot. And then when by the time we get to the one I really like, Miles Runs Voodoo Down, it just seemed like a full, like a thought out, like a complete track to me. Right? So. Like it's almost a reward for getting to that point in the album. Here you go.
1: (laughs) Don't
0: worry. We worked out all the bugs. Here's the jazz you wanted. Well, we said
1: the same thing when we talked about the uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra. Mm. Remember that as you get towards the end of the album, Right. And I remember Naomi, you fell off, you didn't make it there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I remember this correctly. But we were talking about how like, but then all of a sudden it becomes very cohesive and it's right. like it, it it makes sense and it's easy to access at the very end and it's almost like almost as if a a reward for going through the journey, you know? <laughs> like it's it's like it's like finally getting to drop the one ring right. you know, in the in fucking Mount Doom or whatever. Let's like,
0: finish off in a satisfying way.
1: Yeah, you did it. Cause yeah. This album is about as long as it took to uh, take the one ring. (laughs) It's about (laughs) to. You know, but if I'd known what I was in for and now that I do. and Here's the other thing, too, Charlie, like what you're saying is that sometimes I find that the music opens up the more you know what you're in for. Right. It's like, you know, it's kind of what the podcast is named, Learning to Listen. It's like you learn how to listen to it. You go, okay, like I had no idea, like I said earlier, going into it, I was going, okay, I expect experimental, but I was thinking more like, oh, this is just going to be like, you know, modal jazz, you know, Mm -hmm. there's going to be grooves and stuff like that. And it's just going to be interesting to hear, you know, Miles do these runs on the trumpet and things like that. And, you know, other musicians riffing off of, like I said, I was not expecting the full on birth of fusion. Jazz. <laughs> right. I was like, well, this is this is this is another thing. This is not this is not cool jazz. This is not this is not Italian fucking tailored suit jazz. This is bell bottom acid jazz. And that's what well, part of another thing I was thinking was like, fuck it, man, this would go great with a tab or two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
1: I mean, it might be a little too much. Could you imagine? Like it might be overwhelming. and this is on and you're mm-hmm. like uh, I got to get out of here, man. Ah, You're just like how hard it would be to be able to focus. It would just melt your brain. Hmm. It was brain melting enough, like listening to it uh, this way. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know, guys. Like, is it something I would recommend to everybody? Probably not. You know, if I know that. Yeah. Like Naomi, if you're like, I don't really have a taste for for jazz music, especially this kind of jazz music. It's like, yeah, no, probably not. Am I put on a party.
0: But if you're having a chat with someone and you're like, oh man, I was listening to this and then you explain the process. like if you, if you explain how the sausage is made first with all the editing and all the like what why it's cool, then it's like, yeah, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, do you ever need to put on a movie or a TV show or something that's a little bit challenging? You know, like mm-hmm. you, like I, I. Sometimes when I consume art, I don't always just want to escape or just consume fluff. Just have mm-hmm. the easiest. Sometimes I want to put on a it's dark cool. movie, a sad movie. I want to put on a drama. I don't always want to put on a comedy. Or I, some, a lot of times,
3: that's when I would watch something nonfictional, like a documentary or mm-hmm. something right. to that effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be- because okay, this, yeah, because like this album is a mood. It's a potent, potent mood, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, that's where I think it works the best, you know, like the instrumentation is clear. It's pretty vivid. You know, it's not like I can't understand anything, but it's like uh, you need to you need to listen. You need to like take your ear in different places and, and, you know, listen. You've got two different drummers, you know, and for the most part, they're fairly synchronous. And it's not like they're completely but they are playing polyrhythmically you know it's like you need to kind of focus on one and then the other or it's really you can't really listen to both right it's such an interesting choice to me um but that's what i mean it's like these layers that you can get lost in Mm -hmm. and i think that's that that's that's what this album is is would be great for where you're like all right I i feel like i need to be challenged i need to you know not to just listen to this passively
0: okay well here's the thing you're saying it's crazy that when you listen to it in stereo headphones right now in addition uh to being released in stereo it was also mixed for four channel quadraphonic back in the day
1: yeah so that's the thing that would I be insane thought about that there was even an early version of like a five point uh sound system yeah where they they gave you a center channel i think it was a center back channel okay and there was definitely pressings of this that were were mixed and mastered for that i would love to find that and just see what that does you know i i used to think that quadraphonic was kind of a lie i was like oh it's just it's just doubled up stereo channels mm-hmm. but it turns out no I, I because i the problem was is that i wasn't listening to quadraphonic records because they're actually not as common <laughs> you know like the people who bought them either held on to them and you know, it's not like everybody had one, so most you know most of the rec- copies of records out there weren't. So even though I did have access to a quadraphonic system at one point, but I was just playing stereo records on it, and I was like, "What's the difference? I do not different. This is different. It's just two two speakers up there, two speakers back there. They're the same thing." Now that I know, like, oh no 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 no, there was oh, actual legit quadraphonic <laughs> records with four channels. Yeah, this is one that I would love to get into. I wonder if you would hear more more of the room. Mm. But it worked pretty good in headphones and stereo. So um well, guys, I don't know. Is there any anything else? Like I think we skipped over most of the usual questions. Well, just, I just, just had a few right more things it. to say. This is a little different, you know. Yeah. There's no lyrics. Mm. We're not listening to anybody sing.
3: I've been just looking over like his information about his life and what a colorful character he was. How tall you know? is he? Oh, I didn't even look at that. <laughs> Can you believe it?
0: A I don't think it says no. it like Wikipedia does it?
3: No, but I was just looking at some of the things he's worked on and like his influence in the world and like and the cause of his death. Apparently he had had so many health issues to the point where like they thought they there was rumor that he had HIV, but he denied it, but then some in the Wikipedia, it which isn't always right, it does say that he was taking an antiretroviral drug used for the treatment of HIV and AIDS.
1: <laughs> Damn! How old was he when he passed away?
3: Sixty-five. Oh yikes! That's way too young. He had had like seven strokes in a period of twenty-four hours before he passed. Whoa! Well, That's yeah, a rough man. day.
1: How many albums did did he produce altogether in his life?
3: I didn't look at the discography. Well, I mean, already,
1: if you think of this, this, this is number is 27.
0: 27. Like I know, and I know it, he went insane.
1: on to continue producing two or three,
0: like, a year, it seems.
3: 59?
0: 59. This was uh, almost halfway. 59. This was his halfway point. Mm-hmm. That's prolific,
1: man. Yeah, crazy. Crazy to be this far into your career, have produced that much music, and then still be that um, profound yeah. to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, So should we find out what Rolling Stone said about it? Let's do it. Cool. Okay. So came in at number 87 on the top 100 greatest albums of all time list. Uh, Rolling Stone said, In February 1969, Miles Davis recorded, in a silent way, a bold step into ambient funk and electronic futurism. Then just six months later, he was back in the studio, driven by his desire to assemble the best damn rock and roll band in the world. The idea was to connect his music to the audience of Jimi Hendrix and Sly Stone. The result was this double album of jazz rock fusion cut in three days of on the spot improvisations with an electric orchestra that included three keyboardists, three drummers, two bassists, saxophonist Wayne Shorter and guitarist John McLaughlin. The music was full of visceral thrills and the brooding darkness Davis brought to everything he touched. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, Miles Davis is definitely a moody guy. Like, a, a kind of blue is a moody record, in a silent way, is a moody record. Those are the two that I'm familiar with, other than this one. This one's definitely a moody record. I would assume that he's very moody, otherwise, moody guy. Well,
3: now that I read on further, he was apparently a woman beater. So, oh About no, <laughs> <laughs> well, he we have to go on, on that, Charlie. No. Uh, yeah, I'd- I had to take it there.
0: What? Uh, where was what was number eighty seven on your uh, two thousand twelve? In twenty twelve, number eighty seven was Pink Floyd's The Wall.
1: Hmm. Okay. So,
0: previously, oh. uh, Bitches Brew was down at ninety five, so it's actually jumped up some.
1: It's jumped up, hey. Eh? Yeah. Hmm. Well, what do you guys
0: think? Does it deserve its ranking? See, here is the thing. Earlier, not knowing the stuff, now I know about it. At the beginning of the episode, I might have said, "Eh, no," but now, yeah, I think so yeah I definitely think it deserves to be recognized. I don't know, namely what do you believe making? it gets to yeah. be, it, it should be recognized when it invents a whole subgenre. yeah, right? yeah.
3: yeah, anything that changes a genre or creates a new pathway, I believe does deserve to be recognized. so I would say yes.
1: Okay, okay. Um, but now the next very next question is, is it going into your
0: library?
3: Hell no. <laughs> Big hell no from
0: Naomi. Same I think same as my previous answer. Maybe at the beginning it wouldn't have, but now now I wanna I wanna go back and dig into it more. So yeah, yeah. This one's going in.
1: Okay, well, this is what I think. I think this one's going in, but I think that I have been remiss. I do have some Miles Davis, but not anything I've really listened to because it's stuff I've uh inherited. Mm-hmm. Like I've got, uh, what is it called? Songs of Spain?
0: Uh, sketches of Spain?
1: Sketches of Spain. Thank you. Sorry. Um, and I don't think it's ever hit my turntable. In fact, I don't even think I've loaded into my Discogs yet. So first thing I got to do is go
0: and... Brush uh, up on the stuff you that. got.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to put this one in my collection, I think I need a copy of Kind of Blue
0: yeah you know yeah, the, to the kind of bookend
1: yeah. the two and yeah well you know maybe one or two others in there something just like you know can be more of a completist but this is definitely but definitely those are going to my collection my those are the biggest collection. three though right yeah so so naomi you're a zero i'm a yes charlie you're
0: a i'm a yes i'm also i, I also ended up picking up uh, a Mahavishnu orchestra copy of that album after we listen to it yeah because I was you're getting you're getting into the jazz fusion now, it's huh? not something that i like <laughs> it's not something i'm playing for everyone all the time but it's yeah it's more <laughs> personal right It's one of those times where if like nobody's home and i'm just hanging out i'm like okay i'm gonna put this on now
1: well, yeah that's like hanging out and like you know
0: does everybody want to hang out and watch there will be blood all the time or do you want <laughs> to throw on like john wick yeah exactly like yeah. i don't i don't feel yeah. like i want to burden other people by by them being like, you know, like, or have to explain myself for what I'm enjoying. You know, I just want to be able to enjoy it. So yeah, totally if it's going yeah. on the turntable. I'm going to wait till like, maybe everybody else is off at work or whatever.
1: Cool. All right. Fair enough. Okay, guys. Well, that was it. That was miles Davis bitches brew. Um, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you want to find out what else we're doing, you know, just see what we're up to in life and all that. You can hang out with us on social media. Uh, of course. We've got all our social media on one easy-to-find location. That thing is called a website. Charlie, what is that website?
0: That website is l2lpodcast.com.
1: Yeah, just, you know, drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Speaking of dropping a line, you know what that used to mean? That used to mean actually picking up a telephone and giving a little ringy, dingy, dingy. We have one of those. And, uh, you know, people have called it but everybody's chickened out before they've actually said anything. So I've seen know.
3: it ring and then no message. It's really disappointing.
1: It's sad. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well come on guys. You, you there must be some opinion you have about something that you want to be heard. We want to hear it. So, why don't you uh, call that number and let us know what you think about what we're doing here? Naomi, do
3: you happen to know what that number is? The number is 780-851-8785. Right on. And
1: of course, your hosts also have their own lives and their own wishes and desires. And in fact, they're out there in the world creating and and being fully realized people. What are you guys doing? Let me know. Charlie, what do you got going on?
0: Well, look, I would love to sell you some t-shirts. Come on down to oldmandesign.com. I got all kinds of stuff up there. I got podcast stuff. I got not podcast stuff. I got music stuff. Just come get some merch. Oldmandesign.com. We'll get you sorted. Right on, right on,
1: and right on. And it's Christmas. And it's, it's Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> you buy somebody
0: else. You don't need you don't need to wear it. You just
1: buy it for somebody else. Yeah, we're recording this on Black Friday. I mean, yeah. you won't hear it on Black Friday, but whatever. That just means that you gotta order it now because Christmas is happening in a few weeks. Naomi, what do you got going on?
3: I have a podcast as well called Dove Nostalgia, where we talk to people from the nineties about the nineties and all that. And uh this week's guest is One of the big names in the genre of freestyle music, which is like, uh, freestyle is like a Latin dance pop music. Uh, George Lamond is going to be my special guest. He's a big deal. Big, big deal. I was so happy to talk to him.
1: Right on. All right. Well, yeah. Keep, keep reeling in those big deals. Um, we got a Patreon guys, patreon.com slash learning to listen. Uh, yeah. If you want to swing by there and check it out, you'd really help us out by, uh, you know, just maybe throwing us a dollar or two and and hanging out to get bonus episodes or bonus content episodes, early archived, all that kind of stuff. You know, we really appreciate all of our Patreons. So make sure you check it out. Patreon.com slash learning to listen. Okay. And thank you for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Make sure you like, and subscribe wherever you can do that. Tell a friend that really helps out, you know, just uh, be a friend. And we'll be your friends. That's how friendship <laughs> works. Um, You guys want to know what we're doing next week? What are we doing next week? You really want to know what we're doing next what week? What are
2: we doing next week?
1: Well, I think it's time for a bargain bin. Break up the, uh, you know,
0: our series here of uh, greatest albums of all time. Well, that's going to be, I mean, we just listened to something super classy. So like, what else? Could we, what, could we, what are we going to follow that with? Something all super right, classy? Oh well,
1: we we need a palate cleanser, I guess. I don't know. We're probably going to need another palate cleanser after this. So uh, we're going to be listening to Limp Biscuits' new album. Still sucks. That's right. We're going to listen. That's what it's called. So obviously they're self-aware. Yeah, we're going to listen to Limp Biscuits' 2021 album. Still sucks. It just came out a few weeks ago. We're going to listen to it, so you don't have to.
3: That's a lot. uh, That's a huge difference between that hot water starfish water. Title. I mean Hot dogs. maybe it's still Hot dogs.
1: some weird obscure sexual reference like all their album titles are supposedly are it like sucks. I don't know I don't get it but we'll we'll mm-hmm. find out who knows you know here's the thing I thought for sure it was going to be universally panned but apparently it's actually getting kind of mixed
0: reviews so maybe you were in for a surprise Look, I probably not probably I haven't not. heard anything about it like I, I heard that it came out and that's when I messaged to the group and I was like we should probably listen to this so uh, I haven't heard any <sighs> any one note of it yet so
1: I'm more nervous to listen to this than I am to listen to Jazz
0: Fusion novels. I'm excited <laughs> <So.
1: laughs> alright mm. anyway um, so just like apparently Teo uh, Marceo never said while they were making <laughs> bitches brew wrap 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 it up
3: Boom, boom, boom. The nineteen nineties. The music was fun, and then it got really dark for a while, a little bit anti establishment. But the next thing you knew, it was totally fun again. So many artists came and went and left us wondering, what are they doing now? This podcast isn't about the heavy hitters who are still making millions. It's about everyone else, the ones whose careers didn't really leave that decade and kind of just still live in our memory. So you mean Vanilla Ice had another song? We all know what happened to Marky Mark. But what about the Funky Bunch? Who were the KLF? And why did Tammy Wynette record a song with an electro dance band that topped the charts? Two genres that specifically defined the 90s. What were freestyle and New Jack Swing all about? Did you know that Blossom star Joey Lawrence had a huge pop hit? Or that Alanis Morissette had a really hot pop career in Canada before Dragged Little Pill? Special guests will also be joining me to discuss the great era of glitter, grunge, thin eyebrows, hammer pants, and total ridiculousness. We're even setting up some interviews with some of the musicians that define the times. Okay, so if you're older than 30, you might be sitting here going, man, I totally remember that song, but I have no idea who does that. Well then, you better listen and find out. I'm Naomi Carmack host of the ultimate 90s podcast, Dope Dope Nostalgia. Nostalgia. You're going to be busting the move again coming in early 2020. You want to follow us so that you know when we go live? Check out our Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, or you can find us on Instagram at dope underscore nostalgia. If you've got a question or you just want to be on the show, email us at dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com.